Hey people, welcome back to another episode of my Pretty Amazing Podcast, where you get all your amazing information regarding movies, TV shows, and pop culture news. My name is Shania Alexis, and welcome back guys. I just want to say, I appreciate everyone who listens to this podcast. I've seen the downloads increase over the few weeks that I've started this podcast, and I'm just so grateful for anyone who listens, and I just want to say thank you. I do my best just to give you all the accurate information and do my research to provide you know a great episode and this is something I'm passionate about and I'm just glad it's resonating with a lot of people and I can't wait to just improve from here to keep going but for this um episode we're just gonna discuss a few things including the Man of Web movie I promise you guys that I would discuss this movie last week so my brother and I watched it on Tuesday and we're gonna discuss that not a lot to discuss about but we'll get there <laughs> also I just want to just discuss two trailers that I watched um actually Actually yesterday and also the Avatar The Last Airbender series on Netflix I have actually been to watch that series in the night so in one night so I definitely want to discuss that and also just real quick the SAG Awards the Screen Actors Guild Awards it the same people are winning so it's not really anything to discuss but it did air on Saturday so I just want to talk about that but let's just get into the two trailers that I did watch the first one is just a Borderlands trailer and I'm not familiar with Borderlands I know it's a video game I know it's one of the top selling video games of all time but you know I'm not into playing video games like that so I don't really know much about it or background but I do know the people who starring in the movie we have Kate Baranchlet we have Jack Black Kevin Hart Ariana Greenblatt I think I hope I'm pronouncing her name right she's from the Barbie movie and also Jamie Lee Curtis and it looks like a fun uh, movie it gives me like Ready Player One vibes also Jumanji vibes as well and I'm excited to see it it comes out on August 9th 2024 a lot of people are mad that Kevin Hart's in this and I didn't know a lot of people didn't like Kevin Hart I mean I still think he's very funny but he looks good at Jumanji and this like I said gives me the same vibes of Jumanji so I'm pretty sure he's gonna be funny in it too especially Jack Black and we have Kate Bachelor who's one of the greatest actresses of our time so I'm pretty I think we're good but like I said I don't need anyone jumping down my throat because I don't even know Borderlands Borderlands like that so you know I'm just talking about what I view from the trailer and I, I like it. It looks like a fun time. But also, Eli Roth was directing this movie, and there was rumors that he was fired. But according to Deadline, he wasn't fired. He just stepped it um down, and because he wanted to focus more on the Thanksgiving movie that came out last year around Thanksgiving time. You know, it has it's about slasher murdering people around Thanksgiving. And I didn't watch that movie. It did. I just saw a notification that's on Netflix now, so I'm definitely gonna watch it because I've heard it. You know, gives those classic slasher vibes, like the scream vibes. And I heard it was bad and he's making the sequel so that's why he has a step down because he wants to focus more on that so it's not that he was fired it's just he just wants to focus more of his own things his own material but Tim Miller is actually directing this movie now and he's from he directed the first Deadpool movie so I'm I'm excited to see it I like the first Deadpool so we'll see but I also saw a second trailer oh I said that movie came out August 9th 2024 right well it comes out during the summer so we have a little more time till it comes out but the second trailer I saw was also with Bill scar scar and it's called boy kills world and in this trailer it's it's like it, it's a, a definitely an action trailer definitely some great action scenes in it some brutal action scenes to look like too it's definitely more of just like uh more of a fun vibe compared to the monkey man movie with dave patel that's about to come out but it follows bill who's mute but his inner dialogue is voiced by harry john benjamin from bob's burger and archer and it looks really cool and i'm excited to watch it i love bill scar scar i loved him um as pennywise from it he was also good in the last John Wick movie as a villain so I'm excited to see more things with him but it's just like those are two trailers that I watch and I'm excited for those movies to come out but also I want to just you know talk about the SAG Awards it did air this is the first time actually it aired on Netflix it's usually on E to E channel or I think TBS one of those channels but this is the first time it aired, it aired live on Netflix and it was kind of cringy you know I love awards I've said that prior in the prior episode you know I love the awards season the Oscars coming up two weeks March 10th but I I don't know 
everyone just fell off during the SAG Awards. They they did the intro, um, you know, um, I, the I am an actor intro, and they have everyone walking around now. So it's just, it's just disgusting, you know, how they came up in the industry. And it was better when they were sitting down. But also when the presenters present the award, I don't need y'all to do a bit. I don't need y'all to make a joke or anything. I just want y'all to present the award because it doesn't come off as genuine. And that's how I felt watching it. But the same people won. Robert Downey Jr. won for Best Supporting Actor for Oppenheimer. So he's been sweeping the awards. He's, he's literally won every award. The Critics' Choice, the Golden Globe, the BAFTA, and now the Screen Actors Guild. So if he doesn't win the Oscars, I don't know. But I'm so excited. Like I said, I'm happy for him. Killian Murphy also won. I know it's been like a tight competition for lead actor between him and Paul Giamatti. But he has been winning more of the awards. So maybe he is a shoe-in for the Oscar. Divine Joy Randolph won for the holdovers for Best Supporting Actress. Best Actor was actually Lily Gladstone instead of Emma Stone. I know Emma Stone's been winning some of the awards. Lily Gladstone didn't win the Golden Globe, but you know, Emma won the Critics' Choice Award and also the BAFTA. But now Lily is back in the race, so it's going to be tight between the um those two actresses during the Oscars. So I don't know. I really don't know who they're going to give it to. I feel like it's Lily Gladstone because Emma Stone already has an Oscar, but we will see. But also Jeremy Allen White won for The Bear. Io also won for The Bear. Um, trying to think of this is the same people. Oh, Oppenheimer won for Best Cast Ensemble. Yes, this I I think I got everyone. Yeah, it's mostly the same people who's won. So it was it was nice. I had a good time. They had reunions for Breaking Bad and Modern Family, which was good. But some of the dialogue, like I said, just felt cringy and just inorganic. So I think we just just present the awards and you just don't come up with this bit. But you know they're still gonna keep doing that. So but we'll have we have the Oscars. Yeah, the Oscars is the last award for the award season that comes out um comes on in two weeks so i'll definitely be talking about the winners um after um on the episode after it airs but now let's just talk about man of web let's just get this over with and because i promise you guys so yeah let's just let's just discuss let's just discuss man web i'm sorry guys you know it's a monday not my favorite day so bear with me <laughs> but like i said even though i'm not gonna okay let me not be negative man of web wasn't as horrible as morbius it's not better than venom venom's actually like my favorite this only movie out of the sony um universe whatever they're calling the ssu whatever but it was still not good <laughs> in all honesty it was like i said it wasn't horrible but i say that because i really enjoy the actors in the film i love adam scott i love sydney sweeney and i love dakota johnson but the story just it didn't make sense <laughs> i just don't see the point of the movie um you can see that the movie was just it was going to include like you know spider-man references from the mcu but they couldn't and it just wouldn't make sense if they included references for spider-man or any other spider-man like andrew garfield and toby but you know for example it's part of the sony interconnected spider-man verse but it's not tied to mcu but this film does feature characters like ben parker uncle ben and mary parker peter's mom but they have restrictions from bringing up any other spider-man references or, or mcu spider-man or any spider-man overall which is just it's just, it's just nonsensical <laughs> it's just simply just half-ass easter eggs in the end which doesn't appeal to the crowd it appeal to me let me speak for everyone but i just i don't think that appeals to everyone else i think I think Sony thinks that individuals who are passionate about comic books and just the universe itself will accept anything if they just mention them. But sens sensible narratives are what true fans will desire. But before we get too further into the movie, let's talk about who Madame Web is real quick and her abilities. Now, Cassandra Web, aka Madame Web, possesses psychic abilities, including tele telepathic. She has telepathic um abilities and clairvoyance, and she can also perform astral projection appear to others in spirit form and establish herself as a medium where she also aids people with fire powers she's basically the beacon of wisdom acting as a advisor and mentor for a lot of the fire people now her visions do provide crucial information warning people of impending threats and cryptic advice that helps the any fire man the web slingers and many other heroes facing unanticipated difficulties now she is able to continue to help fire man protect others from all his various villains like all of his villains part of his rose gallery using her abilities to assist his missions and prevent catastrophic events from happening she even has a connection to the multiverse and has met many spider-man variants including some of the spider-woman like jessica drew who's not in this movie but the other two characters who are in mad web like maddie franklin and julia carpenter she doesn't have physical powers like so she doesn't have super straight for anything 
thing but you know we'll get into why she doesn't have those powers later because the movie does change how she gets her powers but she can do so many other things but to me they downplay her powers in the movie it's just they didn't show them properly they didn't pr- properly present them i feel like and i think her powers are really cool it's like more mythic and everything or supernatural and I feel like they really could have made a great movie with that, with those materials. But this movie is also directed by S.J. Clarkson, who has directed some of the episodes for the show Defender, The Defenders, and Jessica Jones on Netflix. And I haven't, you know, I don't really know much more of her work, but I do know about The Defenders of Jessica Jones. And Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones was really good in the beginning, but like I said, if it, like those Netflix shows fell off, the only really good one was like Daredevil. That's it. <laughs> but let's just jump right into it. I promise this movie does do a lot so it's not a lot that we're diving into but we're going to try like i said i didn't hate it but i'm disappointed with it it wasted all the actors that were just in this movie but the movie starts off in 1973 in the jungles of peru where we meet cassandra's mother a researcher who's about to give birth at any second like she's literally nine months old and about to like (laughs) give birth and you're wondering like lady why are you in this jungle like far away from like where you live and you're about to give birth but you know just watch the movie now the reason why she is in this jungle is because she's trying to find a mythical spider that has peptides in its venom which super supercharges their cellular structure and has rare um, healing abilities now the mother is not alone she also has a team of researchers led by ezekiel sims who's a villain in the movie the mother finally finds the spider and is just excited that she you know she found it because she's been looking for a while for it but that excitement quickly turns into terror because ezekiel Ezekiel just randomly just shoots two of the other researchers I think there's only two other people and kills them and tries to take the spider from Cassandra's mom I actually don't remember her mother's name I'm sorry but while they are struggling over the spider Ezekiel shoots her leaving her to die and taking the spider he also makes it seem like he didn't want to shoot her because he tells her oh like you could have walked away like because you know they were really struggling for um for the spider and then he shoots her but I'm like dude you just shot two other dudes in the head and then you shoot a pregnant lady like yeah you're evil <laughs> but ezekiel is able to run away with the mythical spider in hand and cassandra's mother is just laying out to die but it, he, she is suddenly saved by the last aranas i hope i'm pronouncing that right i'm sorry the mythical spider beings or spider people in peru who travel across treetops and who also have a poison touch now everyone even cassandra's mother believed that they were a myth they were and they're the costumes well i guess they're costumes they're all red and they have black lines that look like spider webs on them i didn't under- now what i don't understand is why did she think the people the spider people were a myth but she believed that the spider that has super strength and can cure any disease was was real so that didn't even make sense but they end up bringing her to her cave bringing them bringing her to their cave <laughs> sorry guys you know it's monday <laughs> submerge her in the water while she gives birth and the spider actually bites her the mythical one the other mythical spiders but sadly the mother dies but the baby survives now additionally i would like to point out that the acting and quality are not really good in the beginning or in just in this movie in general i mean the quality is questionable during just the whole movie <laughs> it definitely reminded me of early 2000 superhero movies like catwoman gosh it really reminded me of Catwoman in Daredevil and also like Elektra. Even the Spider People, you know, it just had those fast cut scenes that you see in the early 2000s a lot. And I'm just like, I understand this movie is, you know, supposed to be 1973 and like, you know, back in time, but the quality, there's so many movies that were like, that were, um, that happened 20 years ago that still have great quality. So, no, that's not an excuse, Sony. <laughs> but like I said, even the Spider People jumping over the trees look horrible. It also reminded me of Twilight when Edward is like leaping off the trees with Bella on his back and they're just being through looking like a cartoon like everyone's just like like he's just like running really fast it just looks horrible but my brother and I watched this movie together like I said and he assumed that the beginning was the reality show because just how phony the acting was and oh the mother's name is Constance I'm sorry my bad I just I literally just remembered <laughs> but yeah Constance is dead guys and now 30 years later in New York we see a grown-up Cassandra played by Dakota Johnson working as a paramedic and she is 
is not a people's person. She doesn't like being around people. She's invited to a baby shower and doesn't even want to go. She's awkward around children. One of the, the patient's son that she saved in the beginning, who's in the ambulance um, truck, gives her a card, just, you know, thanking her for saving his mom. And she doesn't want anything to do with it. And I'm thinking to myself, why, like, why would you become paramedic? Like, you're supposed to be, like, you know, empathetic and, you know, you have to save and interact with these people, try to save them. But, you know, she's dealing with drama, so trauma, so I guess I understand. But, you know, we're also introduced to Ben Parker, also played by Adam Scott, who works with Cassandra. And I actually like his character, even though he's barely in the movie. I think um he and Dakota have good chemistry, except when she she makes a joke about him never being shot in Queens. So she literally says, what, you never miss shot in Queens? Like, what kind of Easter egg was that? And who was that for? Because it wasn't for the audience, because it was not funny. Like, no, Peter losing Uncle Ben tragically is not funny. To me, that's not witty. It's just insensitive. But Ben Parker also says he met someone who is serious, but when he's asked what her name is, he just sighs and doesn't say anything. Like, we know it's Aunt May, Sony. You're not being clever. <laughs> but Mike Epps is also in this movie, and yeah, Mike Epps is in the movie, in this movie, which I didn't know, but he's in this for literally like 10 minutes. He's a co-worker of Cassandra and Ben, and Emma Roberts is also in this, and plays Mary Parker, who was pregnant, and can y'all guess who the baby's gonna be? Huh? Huh? Can y'all guess? Huh? <laughs> they even play a game at her baby shower, they guess the name of the baby, and she's about to say it, but then it's interrupted by a balloon popping. Like, alright, Sony, alright. It's crazy how, like, there are some big names in this movie, but they just have such a minor woes. Like, you can tell they, they were probably, you know, hired for bigger plots in the movie, but after reshoots, their stories were minimized. Now, during a dangerous call, Cassie falls into the water and has a near-death experience where her powers are activated and she can now see visions of the future. But I'm just, what about if she didn't fall in the water? Like, how would her powers be activated? Like, did she have to have a near-death experience? You know, was that her goal to become a paramedic? Like, you know, that was that her destiny because she would be in situations like this? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But while Cassandra is in the water, you can see glimpses of what's going to happen later in the movie. So they literally kind of already spoiled what's going to happen, but yeah. <laughs> Anyway, she has powers now, and but she keeps brushing it off as deja vu. Oh, and Mike Epps also dies. <laughs> like I said, he's only in 10 minutes. But she can see visions of him dying before, but fails to prevent his death. But then she realizes, you know, after she saw the glimpses of him dying, that now, you know, she can see into the future. Actually, no, she doesn't recognize it then. She realizes it after she sees a vision of a dead bird in front of her apartment window and opens the window to let it in. That's when she finally, after having these glimpses already finally lets us know that she can see that she can have visions like <sighs> Okay, you know, this movie's still better than Morbius. I don't care. And I didn't even mention it, but I, yeah, I didn't even mention the three other Spider Women yet. But to be honest, they don't have much to do. They all connect with Cassandra through like minor conveniences. Cassandra saves like Julia Carpenter's, played by Sunise Reading's stepmother. Anya Carason, played by Isabel Merced, lives in the Cassandra's building. And Maddie Franklin, played by Celeste O'Connor, is on the verge of being struck by the ambulance that Cassandra is um, driving in the beginning of the movie. Now, Ezekiel, he's also a league villain. We don't know anything about this man, except that he has physical abilities of the spider and he has limited, you know, precognition power. But was also cursed when he took the spider with him after killing Cassandra's mother, Constance. That's her name, Constance. <laughs> like, I wish we had more of his backstory. We know he wants the spider because his family died of starvation, but it would have been nice to get more information on that. Like, okay, your family starved of starvation. He wants to be, you know, empathize with you, but then you killed all those people. So, like, what do you want? want to do with the spider now so we don't even know what his job is now in the present time we can see that he's rich but like that's all we're getting from him and they do show us that he has visions of the future when he's like dreaming and that he's killed by anya julia and maddie and they're dressed as super spider women and have their powers but that's just that's just his backstory just hunting these women down and killing them before you know they kill him so like i said they apparently kill him 10 years later and they want and he wants to find the girls now to kill them now so he doesn't die 10 years later and and this movie supposedly set in 2003 we see this especially with the Beyonce dangerously in love billboard but Ezekiel's assistant has a cluster of high-tech computers that look like they belong to the 2020s also he's able to get an exact description of what the girls would look like even though they have masks on in his dreams like you know Spider-Man could steal their identity that's the main point and he also has blurry visions of them so and it's 10 years later so how are you able to just describe these girls and write a perfect sketch of what they look like and now you can 
track all of them. That that didn't make sense, but okay. But he's able to find the girls and track them, and they're all going to the Grand Central Station, including Cassandra. It was faith. It was destiny. They were all destined to be together. <laughs> While on a train with the girls, Cassandra starts seeing visions of Ezekiel murdering them and intervenes by getting the girls off the train. Actually, now, I actually like Ezekiel's fire suit. It's the complete opposite of the suit he wears in the comics, but it's not bad. It doesn't, like, it's like red, red and black, red, um, it's black with red stripes, but it looks clean. It looks kind of clean. He's also, he also doesn't have, he doesn't have webs. Ugh, tongue twister, sorry. <laughs> he also doesn't have webs, so he doesn't swing, but he just jumps everywhere, and it doesn't really look like a spider, it just, he just like a frog, but... <laughs> It's whatever. But Cassandra is able to get the girls away from Ezekiel after he kills a bunch of cops and steals, and she steals the taxi and takes the girls out to see the high in the forest in New Jersey. And I just want to say the dialogue in this movie is cringy. Sydney Sweeney in the movie even calls Ezekiel a spire person instead of fireman. Like, it's ridiculous. And the girls seem like they have no chemistry together, which is a shame because, you know, these girls are all good actors. I love Isabel and Instant Family, and now she's playing Hawk Girl in a new Superman legacy movie too directed by james gunn celeste is also great in the movie freaky with vince vaughn and also a good person also with florence Pugh. she was excellent in that movie and of course sydney is just one of the hottest young actresses out right now but you know it's not their performances that were dry just the movie did allow them it's not their fault it's just the movie did allow them to excel but it's a shame because i would love to just see a movie with all of them together not not just not a sony spider-man movie but i believe we don't even know like we don't even even know much about i believe we mean we don't know much about these girls and it's it's just like this plot is like primarily primarily surrounding them as well i know it's about cassandra and madame webb but it's like you know these girls are like this guy's trying to track these girls to get murdered and they have these firepowers supposedly so it's like you think we should just get more like how are we supposed to care about them and they try to coerce you into caring but we know like we know Ezekiel wants to kill them but i just i don't care <laughs> But Cassandra then leaves them in the forest in New Jersey by themselves. Teenage girls. I know they don't look like teenagers. They look like adults. But they're supposed to be teenage girls in this movie with no food. While she travels all the way back to New York to try to figure out what's going on. And she even acts like she doesn't want to deal with them. Because she says like, oh, the police can handle it. Like, no, those police officers at Grand Central who were just murdered by Ezekiel cannot handle that. Like, who you think can handle that? And why even help them if you don't want to take the responsibility? But she goes back to her apartment man finds her mother's notebook with all of her research concerning like the spider and everything that happened in peru which reveals ezekiel's identity because there's a picture and just his true nature of his powers there's a funny part where she tries to climb up a wall to see if she has like those physical powers of the spider but she just falls right down and i thought that was funny like i'll, I'll say something positive about the movie like i like the color Johnson. i think she's funny but you know that's one of the only you know funny parts of the movie <laughs> but she leaves those she leaves those girls for hours in the forest like you could have just grabbed the book and just like right back to the forest like you know you spend some time in the apartment and she just leaves like these teenage girls without protection like isn't this man trying to kill them and you're leaving them in new jersey in, in the dark like and you want them to just stay like it just makes no sense but the girls don't stay put and i went either i will leave after a few hours and they had because they have no food like she didn't even get from them no food no money no nothing so they head to a diner um nearby where ezekiel finds them and also he finds out that um they're at the diner because some dude recognizes the girls faces and newspaper saying that you know they were kidnapped but mind you it's 2003 and they're all the way in new jersey they're deep in new jersey too because i think cassandra even said that they were driving for three hours so i don't know if it's cassandra or cassandra i don't care not i don't care not i really don't so how is their alleged kidnapping already published in the newspaper like that that would be available until the next morning so so details like that don't make sense but i'm going to let it go like we know what we're getting from sony at the end of the day but cassandra stops ezekiel from killing the girls by ramming him with a car but not before Ezekiel touches Cassandra's hand and releases his poison that can also paralyze someone. But before he can fully paralyze Cassandra, she escapes. Then the girls, I'm just gonna call her Cassie because that's what they call her. The girls escape to a motel where they tell their backstories quickly and say and say that they have no one. Isabel's dad was deported and her mom died when she was five years old, so she lives on her own. Maddie's parents are rich and always traveling, so she's like always alone. Julio's mom also had a mental breakdown due to her parents divorcing and her mom now is like resides in a psych ward while you know julia lives with her dad in new york um her dad's that dad and a little brother who we who we actually mean in the beginning the um the patient that cassie cassie <laughs> saves is actually julia's stepmother you see her in the hospital and the dad is trash 
um, they're like when the patient, um, her mom, her stepmother is fine. They're able to visit her in the room. The dad tells her to just, oh, go home. Like that dad is trash. You can tell he doesn't want anything to do with her. And that's just so upsetting to me. And also the picture, her, Julia's brother, she gives the, the picture that she gives to, um, Cassie in the beginning. She only, he only draws himself, his dad and his mom and not Julia. So that whole family is trash. I'm sorry. They don't acknowledge her at all. And I'm just like, for what? I, I just don't like people like that. But it would have been nice to really know more about them. I mean, they're quickly telling us this so we can try to connect emotionally with them, but it's not working. But in order to figure out her powers, Cassie leaves the girls who are being tracked down to, um, to, they're being tracked down again. And she leaves them with Ben Parker, who again is barely in this movie, to go to Peru for a whole week. This man is trying to murder these women, these girls, sorry, they're supposed to be teenagers even though they look like women. But instead, she keeps leaving them. She leaves them at the forest. She leaves them at the motel to get back to the diner and speak to Ezekiel so she can find out, oh, they have powers and all his master plans. And now she leaves them with poor Ben to go to Peru. And he's better than me because I've said no. Like, our friend died. You didn't even show up to a funeral. You ignored everyone. Now you want me to watch these kids who this man's trying to track down and kill so I can get murdered too? Like, no, I'm not doing it. But you know, I guess we have to use Adam Scott more because he's barely in the movie. But she goes to Peru and tracks down the tribal chief who saved her mother. The chief put Cat puts Cassie through a ritual that separates her soul from her body and it looks it just looks like a crappier version when Dr. Strange's soul was separated from her body like the astral projection. She falls into the same water where she was born and her mother died and I guess that's supposed to represent the web life of life and destiny which is a three-dimensional construct in a five-dimensional space which acts as a model of the entire multiverse and enables travel between realities. And now with this Mad Web can see every reality and every possible future. There she can go back into the past and it's revealed that her mother went to Peru so the reason why she went to Peru so late in her pregnancy is because Cassandra was um diagnosed with a neurological condition and she was cured from this disease sorry guys I I have the, the condition now but I do not know how to pronounce it I apologize Miss Myasthenia Gravis I think you know what we're just gonna say she had a, 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 a neurological condition she was cured from the disease since her mother was bit by a spider while giving birth and any of the comics Mad Web still had still like was born with this disease and it actually caused her blindness and she was made because of this disease she was made to be entirely dependent on an external life support machine that also resembled a spider's web but in the movie cassandra is able to forgive her mother because she realizes that you know her mom does love her and she was trying to save her so now she's told that she could be in different places at once by the tribal leader oh and he also says that we take our responsibility great power will come like how many times are y'all gonna keep flipping and paraphrasing the saying sony but i guess <laughs> but cassandra then rushes back to new york after spending a whole week in peru because it's almost the end of the movie <laughs> but mary goes into labor early while the girls and ben are all rushing to the hospital and they are caught by the cameras and Ezekiel finds them now the thing is the girls they know this man's trying to find them and they have on the hoodies but they just no sunglasses no scarves no no nothing so they're just like in the car but they don't even put their heads down like it's just of course he's gonna find you but i guess he has to because you know we need the the movie needs to end soon we need that the last battle scene <laughs> but then um like i said because um cassie rushes back to new york and ezekiel finds them and cassandra has a vision of where they are and she steals the ambulance truck to save them for ezekiel but cassie res rescues the girls with the truck and distracts ezekiel so ben and mary kiss can escape so you know ben and mary don't die they're fine <laughs> the group then lures ezekiel to a condemned firework factory and then sets up traps to disorient him while cassie calls for a medical evacuation helicopter to fly to their location however ezekiel destroys the helicopters and separates all the girls where it looks like they're on the verge of getting killed and that's that's when i thought the girls were going to get their power i was like okay somehow this is going to be dumb but at least they get their powers and cassie's going to give them their power somehow and the trailer kept showing us clips of these girls in their spider women suits like this was the big sell of the movie but no the girls never get this power their powers in this movie we're only shown a little bit in ezekiel's visions and the very end of the movie so i guess this was a pre-origin story like all right sony all right let's, let's just get to the end of the movie <laughs> but cassandra is able to save the girls while using the web of life and guides them to safety and she sets off the final trap which fatally crushes ezekiel she also falls into the water again where a firework strikes her in the face blinding her so that's how she becomes blind not because of her disease in the comics that she so she's created this disease in the movie but then becomes blind because a firework goes in her eye like i freaking guess sony i guess 
<laughs> but the movie ends um with Mary giving birth to Peter, even though they don't say his name is Peter, but we know it's Peter's sole name. <laughs> and Cassie wakes up and discovers that she is dying parap- paraplegic due to her injuries. And I thought it was because of so paralyzation. Um, I thought it was because she was paralyzed from Ezekiel's poison, but I guess it was due from injuries from the factory. And I did see her get her dad at, but I guess. But now all the girls live with um each other happily ever after, and we see one last vision of them on on the future with their suits, even Madam Web. And that's the end of the movie, folks. Um, yeah, that that movie was pointless, and it didn't need to happen. I don't see the point. We don't even see the girls get their power, so I guess we see Cassandra receive her powers, but it was just so different from the comics, and it just didn't make any sense. And I'm sorry, like it's just also sorry when the girls tell cassie that mary gave birth and ben is loving being an uncle you know having all the fun and with no responsibilities cassie then says with sarcasm that's what he thinks like she's like oh that's what he thinks and basically he's saying that she's able to see him getting killed in the future so making a snide remark about your best friend who helps your ass take care of those girls that he doesn't even know put his life in danger but make a joke about him getting murdered cloak-blooded is funny Uncle Ben dying is not funny, Sony. It would never not be funny. <laughs> but the movie grossed 78 million worldwide against a budget of 80 million. And it was just panned by critics. Like, it was just, like, you know, this movie is just not good. It's better than Morbius, though. I, I'm not giving Morbius, I'm not saying Morbius is better than this. I, I would never. <laughs> but Dakota Johnson actually fired her whole team because um after the movie. And I'm just like, I guess none of the I guess they were tricked into like doing this movie because they thought it was gonna be connected to MCU. But I'm like, dang, I would do your research. Like not to talk against them, but you know, I would do my research because like you know, most people know that it's just Tom Holland Spider Man is just the MCU Spider Man that's only connected, and Sony just does you know other Spider Man spinoffs like you know Craven's about to come out, and then they have Venom, and then Morbius, and now this, you know. But I can understand because, like, you know, it's embarrassing. But I hope they can all, like, they're all great actresses, so this is not going to ruin their careers. But that's my web, guys. Was it enjoyable? <laughs> it wasn't. It was funny, though. I'm not going to say it was bad. It was very entertaining. But, oh, there was this, also this one scene. I don't know why I keep talking about this movie. But there's a scene where the girls are in the motel and then Cassandra just randomly grabs a pillow and then she's like, okay, guys, we're going to practice CPR because that's how that's how the girls save Cassandra when she, like, supposedly drowns, when she falls into the water. At the end, they do CPR on her. So I guess they, because they don't get their powers, I guess they needed this, you know, heroic thing for them to do. But... Yeah, they're, like, practicing doing CPR on a pillow, just pumping and pumping. And I'm like, what is, who is this scene for? And even my brother, he said, he, he used the word A-O. He says that when something inappropriate is going on. And I'm like, yeah, this is very inappropriate. First of all, these are teenage girls. And you can tell something's like, okay, yeah, we have these attractive adult girls, Sydney, Sweeney, Isabella, and Maddie, all of them, and Dakota. We're going to get them to pump or do something, like, sexual. And it was just, like, so inappropriate and just distasteful. And I'm just like... All right, Sony, but that was my web, guys. <laughs> I'm just going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into the last topic, which is the Avatar, um, the last Airbender show on Netflix. Okay, guys, welcome back, and now let's get into Avatar. Ugh. See, Monday's Avatar, <laughs> the last Airbender on um, the Netflix series. So I actually binge and finished all the episodes for Netflix Avatar and the last Airbender, and... Actually, I really liked it. If I'm being honest, I definitely knew about the animated show on Nickelodeon. And I watched a few episodes. I wasn't a super fan. and But I'm interested in just going back and watching them now. And I know a lot of you Avatar fans feel strongly about these characters. And I definitely understand. So please don't rip my face off if I get something wrong. Because you guys are scary like the Star Wars, Star Wars fans. <laughs> but... I'm not expert, but I'm just, I'm going to try. <laughs> but, you know, I know the basics of the show, especially, you know, since they explain it in the intro, we know that really helps. <laughs> but the world is split into four nations, fire, water, earth, and air. And some people can manipulate one of the four elements, water, air, fire, um, water, air, fire, or earth. 
and do practices which is known as bending. However, only see y'all, y'all Avatar fans got me nervous. I'm making sure I say everything right. <laughs> but however, only one individual can bend all four elements, which is known as the Avatar. Now, the Avatar is responsible for bringing harmony among the world's four nations, and they serve as a link between the physical world and the spiritual world. As soon as one Avatar dies, another one is born as a spiritual reincarnation of the preceding Avatars. Now, the nation that the Avatar is born into is also determined by the nation of the previous Avatar, and it just rotates around the elements. So the Fire Nation knows that the next Avatar is going to be an airbender, and the series follows Aang, who is the last airbender on Earth. Now, in the beginning of the Netflix show, Aang is told that he's the Avatar by um, his mentor, Gyatsu, and friend. Right before the Fire Nation storms into the Air Temple and murders all the airbenders starting the Hundred Year War. The Fire Nation just exterminates all the the Air Nomad Kingdom because it's revealed that the next Avatar is from there. And, you know, they don't want anything ruining their plans to take over the kingdom. And Aang is only... 12 years old and doesn't want to be the next avatar which is understandable he's just a kid he's also told that like he's told he's special but you know he never wanted to be special but right after he leaves to go flying with appa a flying bison and the the effects on him look incredible the effects on the show are really good but the Fire Nation attacks, but in the anime show, Aang does run away on purpose to get away from his responsibility. So I guess they changed what happened, like in the Netflix series. But he's unaware of the Fire Nation's terror and falls into the water um, while flying on Appa due to a storm, and now is stuck in like a big ice glacier ball for a hundred years until he's found by siblings Sokka and Katara from the su- Southern Water Kingdom. Tribe, Triber Kingdom, I think. <laughs> See, Avatar fans don't don't hurt me. <laughs> Katara is a warbender, and Sokka is the new leader of the Southern Warrior Tribe after his dad passed away. And the plot of the centers, um, the plot of the show centers on Aang's quest to defeat the Fire Nation and return to the nations by learning how to, you know, bend all four elements. I enjoy the journey that they all go on, and just the variety of kingdoms that we get to explore. You know, given how quickly the series moves along, I can understand how, you know, a lot of the character development is hurried, and I can certainly understand why some people have complaints about that, but there are things that happen during the first season of the show that occurred, you know, in the later season of the animated show, because I could, so I could definitely see why, you know, some people aren't pleased with it, but like I said, I like Sokka and Katara, but I did feel like their development was sort of rushed. It also felt like, a lot of their stories were pushed to the side and resolved when, you know, we need them to, like, accomplish something or just move on to the next episode. I think they're also, like, not in two of the eight episodes that aired, but, you know, we go through Katara trying to, like, master her war bending and just dealing with the death of her mother who was killed by the Fire Nation. And in the last episode, she does become a master at war bending, but I really didn't think that was well-earned. I simply thought that she needed to just have more time to perfect her water bending skills before like I could accept that she was such a master and I didn't believe it. Also from what I saw in the animated series, Katara is really outspoken and just has more personality compared to the Netflix version. A lot of her like what she did just felt robotic and it felt like she was like you know reading off a script but I did like her. I still liked her you know. I think she still has, like, you know, she can grow. And there's still, like, more seasons to the show, I think. So, I I do want to see more of her. But, you know, like, stuff like how she's, like, almost defeats the Northern Warrior Tribes leader. which It just wasn't believable to me. But, like I said, I want to venture, like, I want to see more of her in the upcoming seasons. But Sokka is also someone I felt like was kind of pushed to the side as well. He's trying to be this leader and live up to his father's name, and he's reluctant to at first travel with Aang and see the world, but, you know, ends up becoming a great leader and helping, you know, defeat the Fire Nation's armies. And I do want to see more of him. Um, I actually do like the actor who plays Sokka. Um, I think he does sound exactly like the voice actor in the anime series, but I do want to just see him do more. But I'm not going to lie. I was... And Aang is really good, too. Um, you know, I feel like in the first few episodes, you know, he was just getting used to everything, but I feel like he got more comfortable towards the end, and I like him. Like I said, I want to see 
more of what you know these actors are doing because they're not doing bad they're doing good but i'm not gonna lie i was intrigued intrigued the most with zuko's character and i thought he was just a highlight of the show like i thought the actor who played them was incredible i'm sorry if i butchered your name i know the actor's name is dallas james leo and a lot of people are complaining that he was too whiny but from what I remember in the show, that's literally how, like, Zuko is. I didn't even watch the show like that, and I knew his character was supposed to be, like, this angry teen that, you know, can be a brat a lot of the time. And to be honest, that actor in the live action show wasn't even that whiny to me. Like, his goal is to catch the Avatar and bring back, bring him back to his father, the Fire Lord Ozai, and, you know, restore his honor because he was banned from the Fire Nation. But I also love the relationship that he has with his uncle Iroh. Now, a lot of people don't like the live action representat representation of Iroh. And even though I'm not, I am aware of the character in the anime series, I can't say much regarding his like character abilities and qualities. But I can say that the relationship, relationship between him and Zuko is strong. That's something that they did right in the series. And you can tell that he's just a father figure for Zuko. He has this calm demeanor that does contrast with, not, with Zuko's impulsivity. But they balance each other out as well. And I particularly like the episode of Iroh at his son Luten, who, who died against the Earth Kingdom's funeral, where their relationship dynamic is really displayed between Zuko and Iroh. You know, Zuko hands Luten's medal to Iroh, which has been gifted to Zuko by his cousin, and back and he gives it back to Iroh for strength and then Zuko just sits down next to Iroh just giving him that emotional support needed and that scene was really beautiful and it bonded Zuko and Iroh deeply symbolizing their relationship like so many of their scenes just felt genuine because you can tell they truly love and care for each other there's also a scene where Iroh gets hurt by Earthbender and instead of Zuko pursuing Aang which has been his mission for three years he retreats and makes sure his uncle is safe and well. And Iroh just doesn't want Zuko to be like his father. He only wants the best for him. And given that um, Lord Ozai views compassion as a sign of weakness as Zuko possesses compassion, he is aware that Zuko is nothing like his father. You know, Azula and, um, I hope I'm saying her name right, Azula and Zuko, um, Lord Ozai's two children, are pitted against one another in an attempt to, like, you know, carry on their father's legacy and succeed as him su succeed him as a fire nation's ruler but nothing can ever satisfy ozai i mean this dude is brutal like the way he just burns zuko's face during their fire dude called uh, agni kai did i get that right <laughs> because zuko disrespected his plans and didn't want to sacrifice their men in combat it was admirable but ozai is all about Sacrifice and that means sacrifice their man for their better good and you know he's not gonna let his son belittle him in front of everybody so Zuko held back and refused to fight his father but that therefore led Ozai to like banish Zuko from the Fire Nation until he brings back an avatar and he just treats his children as warriors and you can just see this with his daughter Azula as well she's like clearly the best fighter and she trains and trains and trains and trains like she's definitely a perfectionist and you can tell she's literally the best out of everyone but you know Ozai is never impressed and Zuko and Azula are both just fighting for the love of their father they're never that they're never going to receive back or you know maybe this also is Lord Ozai's like twisted way of displaying his love but like I said I'm not as knowledgeable with the prior source material so I can only comment of what I see in the Netflix series but also we have the general Zhao who is a Fire Nation loyalist and he sought to carry out Ozai's will and conquer like opposing nations as well as like capture the avatar and he immediately tries to find av the avatar for himself Aang and goes against Zuko to impress Lord Ozai like he's definitely a sucker but he works his way up the ladder and he's just a constant antagonist for Zuko and Aang in the series as well he kind of reminds me of Littlefingers from the Game of Drones show. Just wonder how like he manipulates everyone and creates chaos to deflect on his true evil intentions. And this dude is just a narcissistic asshole. Like he thinks so highly of himself, and but he just he just goes to extremes in order to get the upper hand. 
Like, he tries to kill Zuko by putting blasting gel in his bow um, by exploding. But Zuko, fortunately, like, gets out of time. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender? Um, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's the same stuff as the show. But, you know, let me just put that in there. But, you know, fortunately, Zuko gets out. And he's, uh, also, in the last episode, he tries to destroy the bridge between the spirit and physical world. Because, you know... The spirits and physical world are very connected in Avatar the Last Airbender. So he tries to destroy that by killing the moon spirit and causing the amazing ocean spirit to be filled with rage and like depriving all the warrior benders of their power as well. And I'm like, this dude is insane and he needs help. But the actor does a great job of playing him because he is so unlikable. He does a great job of playing like a likable character. His um the actor's name is also King um Ken Leong. I hope I got your name right. And he was also the villain in Rush Hour. He looks like, when I watched it, I was like, oh my God, he's from Rush Hour. And he looks amazing still. But I also like how we see like the effects of the Hundred Year War and the Fire Nation's tyranny throughout the nations we visit in the series. I also like how they show everyone's perspective on how they like contribute to a war and like, you know, have dealt with the war. Like we meet char- characters like the Mechanist who is played by Danny Pudi, who's also played at Better Community. He's an engineer from the Earth's kingdom, Omashu, but he also sells secrets and designs the spies from the Fire Nation. And at first, you know, you think he's a traitor, but he does this because he, if he doesn't comply with the Fire Nation, they will kill his son and, like, destroy the Earth Kingdom. And sometimes it's not so simple to choose from right, from, from right and wrong when, like, you know, there's other people involved. But we are also introduced to another character, Jet, a refugee from Amashu, whose parents were murdered by the Fire Nation when he was eight. And he's now a rebel. He's also the leader of the Freedom Fires, who are refugee teenagers and children. And their goal is to destroy all firebenders, even if it means killing innocent ones. Like, even if it means killing their own people. Like, his strong hatred towards the Fire Nation just blinds him. And he's even willing to, like, kill the Mechanist and the Earth King, Bumi even killing innocent of others from the Earth Kingdom. And, you know, uh, fortunately, not fortunately, fortunately, Sokka and Katara, however, do stop him from carrying out the plot. But I also like the character Suki, who's the leader of the Kiyoshi Warrior um, Bands of the Earth Kingdom on Kiyoshi's Island. She does play, um, Kiyoshi was a past avatar as well. She does play um, as a love interest for Sokka, and and they're cute together, even though Sokka has two love interests, but we'll get into that. Um, we will see, like, I hope we see more of her, because she was only, um, I believe only one episode, but I hope she comes back for the next season. I love her fighting skills and her Tessin Tisen, I hope I'm saying that right, sorry, <laughs> which is a fan weapon, was really good too. She definitely follows her duty as a leader, but you can tell, like, she just longs for, just, she wants, she wants to experience the world, just wants more. But I do like the show, however, I felt like it was an exposition roller coaster. And a lot of the scenes, the characters were straight up just tell everything we need to know rather than just showing us. It's like they did trust the audience to understand they had to explain everything to us. There's so many times Angus being told that, like, you know, he's an avatar. He can't run away from his responsibilities. He, he has to be alone. He can't have friends. He has to sacrifice everything. And they keep telling us that every episode. And it got to a point where I'm like... You'll have to, we know, you'll have to keep telling him and us. Like, I know he was probably getting annoyed because I was. I'm like, all right, I know. <laughs> There's also a scene where, like, Iroh is imprisoned by the Earth Kingdom and he's being taken away to the pit, which is a labor camp for prisoners of war. Now, while he's restrained, he's being taken away and he tells Aang, you know, anyone who has been sent to the pit has been sent there, has never been heard from again. And, like, buddy, we know it's called a pit. It sounds dangerous already. You didn't have to tell us, like, how dangerous it was. We can use context clues. Like, we're smart. <laughs> but the guards um really gave him time to summarize for us what's going to happen, too, which I thought that was weird. Like, just take the man away. <laughs> but other than that, I love the action scenes in the series. Some of the effects look questionable, but overall, they look great to me, especially the scene where Avatar Kiyoshi possessed Aang's body to fight the Fire Nation. That fight scene was clean, I might say. I didn't know that. I had, like, see, I'm not really familiar with the anime series like that, so I didn't know a previous incarnation of Avatar could also manifest through their current Avatar by possessing their body, and it looked really cool. I thought what happened with all the previous Avatars that Aang met, like, he meets um, Roku as well, and I'm sorry, I forgot the other. 
Avatar's name. I'm sorry, guys. But um, I thought that would happen a lot. But it was just with Kiyoshi. And I also thought all the sequences with the banners were incredibly wonderful, like wonderfully shot. I really loved the ones where they were on the earth instead of like using a green screen. And it appears that they are just like, you know, they're just bending pieces of real life, which I like. They look cool. I also like the scene where, like, you know, Zuko frees Aang from General Zhao as the blue spirit. Like, since he was prohibited from, like, entering the Fire Nation, Zuko was unable, like, to use his firebending uh, um, abilities because everyone, like, probably think it's him because everyone knows it's after the Avatar. But with only, I believe, their swords. But with just his swords and combat abilities, he's, like, he had a battle of fire, the Fire Nation or the same Aang. And those battle scenes were actually, those fighting scenes with him were really amazing, too. I guess it was supposed to be a mystery of who was behind the mask, but I, I knew it was him the whole time. But after Zhao kills the moon spirit in the last, uh, last episode of season one, the ocean spirit does take complete control of Aang's body and like using the power of the um the Avatar state and it manifests into a giant monster which looks like Godzilla and I, I, mean, I saw I was like is that supposed to represent, resemble Godzilla but I believe the name is Rosilla I looked it up that's what it said so I'm like okay it's supposed to represent Godzilla so okay I know I'm not tripping but the ocean spirit like did this because you know they want to take revenge of the fire nation for killing the moon spirit like that's a big deal Zhao Sha had never done that he's crazy <laughs> but channeling Aang's power the ocean spirit just drives back the fire nation forces and uh, and you know they they attack them and they're just angry because you know they destroyed they like the northern water tribe but however you know when Aang is in that avatar state it's a very powerful state and sometimes he can get lost and it could just take over and control him but you know eventually princess Yue who's also um the princess from the northern water tribe who's also like a, another love interest to Sokka he had two love interests love interests in like eight episodes <laughs> but her life was given to her by the moon spirit and when she was ill as a baby so like given that some of the moon spirit life like resided in her she she had to sacrifice herself by transferring the power back to um to the koi fish that Zhao killed and the moon spirit's physical manifestation thus like you know reviving it and like she when she did that the ocean spirit like released and Aang like was able to like get back to normal but like you know the balance of the spirits is returned the navy is all destroyed the fire nation just retreats from the Norwayan tribe but at the end it looks like you know it's a victory and it is a victory but you know we have some people lost too from um the Norwayan tribe was which was you know really sad but at the end we also see that the fire nation actually conquered Amashu the earth kingdom like you've seen King Bumi like he's being like restrained and handcuffed and now and conquering just the Northern Warrior Tribe was just a diversion. So, you know, it, the show does end with that episode. And hopefully we get a season two and it can just explore more. I'm definitely excited. I really do like the show. I definitely want to see the anime show now. I know a lot of people would think I'll probably spoil myself. But, you know, if it's if it's a good show, I'm still not going to spoil myself. It's I'm still going to have a great experience. So... I'm just, I'm glad I actually watched it because I actually wasn't interested at first. I was like, eh, whatever. But I was hooked. The first episode, I was like, oh, okay, let me watch more. But after the second episode, I was definitely hooked and that's why I binged it. So I'm excited to see more. I think all the actors did a good job. I just think they just need to work on pacing. But everything else was like really good. It's way better than the M.I. Shyamalan movie that, um, that was like, when did that movie air? Like 10 years ago? I don't even know. But it's way better than that. But that's it for today guys thank you so much again for listening i greatly appreciate it so dune does come out this friday so i have not watched the first dune i am interested and in, um you know watching two movies and doing an episode so i am going to watch the first one on hbo max it's now streaming on hbo max so if i like that one I'll definitely watch the second one and just do a whole episode on that. I just, you know, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if I'm going to get confused by it, but I'm going to try. I mean, I watched Avatar, and I liked it, so I'm still going to do my research and just make sure that it's still a good episode for you guys, but I'll definitely, if I don't watch Doom, you'll definitely get another episode for me um, coming up next week, and I just want to thank you guys again for everything, and I hope you guys have a great week, and also you guys stay amazing. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.